This is Listen Up ODK Leaders, a podcast about leading in the 21st century. Our focus is collegiate leaders and leadership, but we welcome everyone. This episode is sponsored by Tribute. For birthdays, celebrations, and graduations, give the most meaningful gift of all, a Tribute video. Welcome back for another episode of Listen Up ODK Leaders. Actually, we're back with two episodes. I'm your host, Stephen Domney, and this month we are bringing you a two-part series where we explore the importance of inclusive outreach with ODK members Brandon Bell and Manny Cadillo. In part one, Deconstructing Bias, our guests will help us identify our bias and teach us to deconstruct them as the first step to developing more inclusive memberships and societies. In part two, Advocating for Change, our guests will explore how to become champions for inclusive change how to find ways to build consensus without animosity, and how to develop communities of care that embrace all perspectives. You don't want to miss either episode. So to begin, I will introduce or allow our team to introduce Manny and Brandon as our guests. So if you want to introduce yourself as so we can begin our conversation this afternoon. Well, thank you very much. My name is Manny Caldillo, and so I'm speaking from Washington, D.C., um, I've had about 10 years experience working in education, uh, mostly with the federal government, but also been spending the past couple of years doing community organizing in education locally in DC. Hello folks, my name is Brandon Bell. I serve as a leader, consultant, and facilitator in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space. And I'm thrilled to be here today to kick the conversation off with my friend Manny here. Well, thank you for joining us today. We're really excited about this conversation. And to help us get started, can you share with us your perspective on what is bias? So I like to think of bias as both an affinity and an aversion to a person or a group of people, like based on like an experience, an identity, um, or a background. So I can give you an example. Like maybe you have a bias that shows as an affinity for folks who went to the same school as you, right? So I might have an affinity for folks who are alum of UNC Wilmington, but I might have a bias towards folks that might be of a different broader category or group, right? Um, or an aversion towards a group of people, you know, based on a different category or group. So it's important to just understand for me that bias can be multidirectional and that, you know, even if it shows up as a positive for my friend Stephen, um, it can show up as a negative for folks who don't share similar experiences or advantages that I'm favoring. No, I agree with Brandon on that. Uh, in regards to bias, in my, in my experience, it's not just an affinity or a preference towards something. Um, you know, in, you know, it could be something in regards to, you know, a company you will like, for instance, pizza, you know, I have bias towards Pizza Hut or, or Domino's. Um, but when it comes down to regards to, 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 to our community, to people, um, there, I think we see, we see, we can see bias even more. And, and I think uh, while, while we look at different products, it may be something about, well, I just won't buy one company pizza and then the other. But when we look at a group of, uh, when we talk about community and, 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 and the difference that you know, the people have, I think there, there's actually could be some consequences in regards to bias, um, in regards to someplace where you have a preference over one group of folks. Um, and whether, and when it comes to bias, it does, it's not necessarily, you know, when you hear bias, one would immediately think of racial bias, but it doesn't have to be just racial bias. It's things on social economic, you know, you, oh, I'm more affinity towards people because they happen to have a higher income like me. So I don't, I, I tend to be averse from being close to folks who have low income. And so it's not necessarily just racial, but there's so much that's there. Um, like it's you know, socioeconomic, it could be, you know, within, uh, you, know, a, a, you know, reference or aversion towards, you know, the, the gay, lesbian, uh, GLBTQ community, uh, it could be through ethnicities, um, and so forth. And so I think there's, there's just a lot 
that regards that that is there in bias, but for the most part, it's knowing that it is perfectly a preference or an aversion towards towards something or someone. So I, I want to take a minute to just be crystal clear as to what bias is. And, uh, you know, while we recognize a second ago that bias can be an aversion or an affinity towards a certain thing, we want to be clear that we're not talking about arbitrary things like a bias towards your favorite color, right? Um, or an aversion towards like this kind of uh, brand or product necessarily. We're talking about biases towards people and groups based on things they cannot control, like skin color, body shape and size, religion, ethnicity, and how they grew up. Those things that are innate to the core of their identity are the kind of biases that we're asking people to really take into consideration and inventory as we move throughout this conversation. And I agree with Brandon there. And I think that's very important to know that with those biases are on on things that we can't change you know and the thing is those biases harm you know it, it there's nothing you know if, if there's a bias against me as a, as a latino i can't change the way i am as a latino there's no way and so it's something that that's it that harms myself and you could do that with all the other biases there's a harm effect to there and that that comes in in regards to 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 speech no matter of way you, you you talk to somebody through an action, um, and and I think that's that's why this is important to to know that it's not just like oh I have bias towards somebody. It's there's actual an harm effect that, that occurs, and that's something that we want to make sure that that, that gets addressed. And so we're able to to move on to healing and move on to reconciliation in that area. And so that's why it's very important to know that clarity of what bias is. Definitely, you both bring up really great points in recognizing the fact that. Many times, understanding difference is a critical component of that. And sometimes difference and the bias that we see in today's society may show up in different spaces, and a few of them you've shared with us. Uh, I would love to navigate more about how that may show up or manifest itself on a college campus, in a workplace, in the greater community, and how you all see that. Well, I think I think it's important just to recognize that everyone has a bias, right? And I think sometimes folks, and everyone can have a bias, right? And I think sometimes folks enter the conversation saying, you know, well, if we're talking about a particular kind of bias, that means that, so if I'm talking about a racial bias, right, or a gender-based bias, if I'm the person affected, affected negatively by that bias, people might assume that I don't also have things to work through on my own, right? So I really like building on Manny's point that regardless of your place and and either either delivering the bias or receiving the bias, we all play a role in kind of navigating that. And I think it becomes particularly nuanced when we enter college campuses, right, where you have lots of folks who maybe have limited exposure to the range of differences interacting for the first time. So a lot of times the interactions that they have might be charged by bias, but they're not necessarily able to pick up on it because it's their first time actually seeing it come to life, right, or actually having to encounter difference in close quarter where it requires a deeper interaction or a more sustained interaction. Um, When I think about the workplace, I think it's similar to college campuses in the fact that people are bringing their experiences and backgrounds to the space. But in the workplace, we tend to see um, a greater degree of protections from HR and law around more obvious, you know, forms of bias. So like sexism, racism, homophobia, and things of that nature. Regardless, what I'm finding across higher ed spaces, community spaces, professional workspaces otherwise, is that it typically stems from a lack of knowledge about another group. Um, It starts with maybe a a lack of awareness of oneself and maybe the messages they've received about different groups. 
Um, and unfortunately, bias can live on if we never address those, those lacks, right, or those gaps, right? So we all have them. I mean, none of us enter the world knowing everything about every possible group, right? And all of us don't always have positive experiences with differences either. But I think it's really important that as we begin to recognize, like, oh, that's a, that this experience or this, this knowledge about this group is triggering me in a way that stops me from showing up as my best self, that we take a moment to pause and really ask, like, well, what can I do to address that behavior? What can I do to get to the root of this feeling in the hopes that we can show up to create spaces where people can really show up and be authentic, to collaborate and to just have fuller lives? Well, definitely, Brandon, I am, I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, when it comes to college campuses, it just depends on what high school or what community um, did, did you come from? You know, if you're coming from a higher socioeconomic, um, socioeconomic uh, community, I mean, there's your bias is going to be there because it's based off your own experience. Or if, you know, if, if you're, if you're white and the only community you've been with is, 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 a, is an all, all white school or a majority white school and you come into a, to a diverse campus, it could also be the bias, you know, because it's just based, based off of your own experience that you have. And the same thing goes in regards to as a Hispanic. Um, you know, if I go to live in a high Hispanic community and I go to a new diverse space, um, you know, I'm bringing my experience with me. Now, now when it comes into, into railing with others, I think we try to, I think mostly try to hang on to what we're accustomed to, to what we're used to because it feels comfortable. Because trying to meet with other with a diverse group of people can be quite, um, you know, can it can be can be risky, you know, if if you never had that interaction before, because you don't know, like, well, you know, um, you know, do they know this experience that I know, or they don't know, and and I think that sometimes can, um, you know, just create create a bit of conflict in in that area to a point where it's like, well, because they don't they don't have that experience I have experience in, then I don't want to you know, connect with them. And I think that's, and I think in, in, and that's something that comes from one's own experience that they bring in there. You know, I think that's the, so that's something that's that, the, how, how it appears on a college campus. But I'm agreed too, that most of it really is just knowing that you have. It. And I think that's, that's uh, something that I think college campuses, I think that's place where workplaces uh, should be able to do, or as leaders should be able to help guide that. Those who've already had the experience to at least let people become aware of that, to know that, that yeah, well, yes, one person may have bias, but if you're able to recognize it, if you're able to to know that, and then I think you could start on to the next phase of of of, of integrating, of of being not afraid of working with others in a diverse community. We're talking with Mini Cadillo and Brandon Bell about deconstructing bias. We'll be back after a short break. Listen up, ODK student leaders. Each year, Omicron Delta Kappa awards more than 30 scholarships for graduate and professional study. This year, ODK has designated two scholarships to benefit applicants who are African American, Latino Hispanic, or Native American, and two scholarships to benefit applicants who identify as LGBTQ+. The scholarship application opens on December 1, 2020. For more information, visit www.odk.org. For birthdays, celebrations, and graduations, give the most meaningful gift of all, a tribute video. Tribute makes it easy to create a collaborative video for any occasion. Simply invite your friends, collect their videos, and build your tribute. Learn more at studenttribute.com forward slash ODK. We're back talking with Brandon and Maney. We will pick up the conversation with Brandon. 
Absolutely, Manny. I just want to kind of just build on that because I think I know you and I both kind of touched on it, but to be clear, I'm sure everyone may have a bias, but that does, but we need to recognize that regardless of the fact that everyone having it doesn't make it okay to have, right? Yep, yep. Um, and it's really important to be sure that, you know, to your point, Manny, that once we recognize that we have these biases, take active steps to dismantle them. Mm-hmm. And to and when we catch them in our thought processes, processes, we're like stopping the thoughts or dismantling the thoughts from becoming actions, right? Um, I know that a lot of folks will say, well, you know, if it's human nature or if it's natural for us to have biases, what's the problem? Um, The problem is that you don't want your ignorance about a community, you don't want your lack of knowledge about a group to enable you or empower you to treat people unfairly or poorly, simply because you have that, you don't have that same awareness or knowledge, right? So it's about all of us kind of leaning in to each other's experiences, like you said, Manny, to really connect um, and honor each other's humanity and then find ways to engage each other equitably. So you both talked about this, and I think this is really uh, a great conversation to head into, is about the conversations and how you interact and engage with others. But for those that have never had a conversation about bias or even diversity, how can they begin to have a conversation with those around them or even a conversation with their self to uncover the things that exist um, so that they can begin to, as Brandon alluded to dismantle ideas that um, may have negative impact or negative influence um, on those or the communities around them. Definitely, definitely. I think that when it comes to bias itself, you know, bias itself can lead to negative consequences and, and negative actions. But I think when we start this conversation, I think we need to know that the action of bias is bad, but not the person. Because I think if you've never had that experience, if you've never had heard the word bias before, and all you've heard of bias is saying that if you're biased, it may be, uh, you may be a racist, or you may be a homophobe, or you may be, uh, you know, you, 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 and unfortunately, we, we've tied those, 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 uh, uh, those labels to that. And, and, and for the person who may not know that, for a person who really truly is, is coming in with just carrying their experience and that, and that bias that, they, that, they've, that they've had based off their experience, you know, it, that conversation could scare them off at first. And so I think, I think we need to know that, that, that just because one has bias doesn't mean that they themselves are a bad person. Now, if, you have, if, they, if a person willingly knows they have bias and willingly refuses to acknowledge it or make any difference, that's a whole nother story. That is a whole nother conversation. But if it's somebody who, who especially if you're coming in as a freshman or a graduate student or you're coming in transferring to another college campus and you're and, and, and this is new. I think we need to realize that it's something that, that, that we all have, but it's important to know that that doesn't necessarily mean that you're just yourself are a bad person. This is an opportunity to grow, actually. This is just as we're in college to, to grow as we're in our majors. Um, this is also an opportunity for these um, in this area that where, where we're able just to grow, grow in that and say that this is a growing experience that we want to do this together because you know, in the end of the day, that's how, you know, that's how we all want it. And so that's what I feel as a way to start the conversations on bias and, 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 and having that conversations with others. I agree with a lot of what you said there, uh, Manny. And I just want to k- take a second and kind of highlight a couple other things, the points that really resonated with me to kind of build on um, where you're going with that. I like to, I like to think about the first step to addressing bias is just to take inventory of the assumptions I have about myself and other people. Right. And I think, it, I think sometimes, you know, even when we talk about diversity training, when 
Well, when I, if I, when I lead a conversation in that space, I like to open with, what was your immediate reaction when you found out that you were going to attend diversity training today? What feelings do you harbor in your mind and heart as you sit in the chair as I prepare to talk to you about diversity and inclusion? Um, just to base you and your feelings towards a general topic, right? And if you're entering the space with, with an idea as to what I'm going to present or an idea as to how the material is going to make you feel, we have effectively started the first part of the training, which is talking about bias and expectations that might not be rooted in truth, right? So I like the point that you brought up earlier about saying you're not necessarily a bad person if you have a bias, but I want to, I think we would all agree that we hold people accountable because once you recognize that bias, like what is your responsibility ethically and morally to, to challenge it, right? It's, it is not, it is not acceptable. And I, you know, we're not passing judgment folks, but it is, it is unacceptable. Um, to recognize that you might commit actions towards people that are unfair, unlawful, or unjust, and then just find a way to justify your actions because everybody has a negative feeling, right? So I really, you know, Manny kind of hit the nail on the head there, but I think the first step to addressing bias is really to sit with yourself, right? And be willing to have a really honest conversation with yourself as to where your gaps are, um, and, and not let your gaps, to Manny's point, tell you that you're a bad person, but let that be the, the foundation to your, your, your growth plan, right? Like, hey, I've, I've recognized these areas where I need to learn more, connect with different people, try something new, and in some cases, listen to a new podcast, right? Um, and get different perspectives and, and be willing to be open-minded to the perspectives and, and things being shared. And recognizing the fact that this is all challenging, whether it's the fact that it's the first time you have to navigate diversity, equity, inclusion in the environments that you're in, or it's the first time that you've challenged your own social constructs of what you understand to be, how would you encourage students that are listening to begin to address the constructs in a way that makes sense and empowers them to truly begin that conversation of making a difference? That's a really, that's a really good um question there. Um, it kind of builds on the, the point that I was just sharing before about really sitting with yourself um, and can recognize that there can be a lot of fear and really being introspective and really thinking through, well, what are some of the messages that I might have heard about another group? What are some of the messages I've even internalized about myself that might not be the warmest, the, the nicest, or, or the most true, right? Um, and I think that kind of just comes along with the learning and development journey. Um, we're not asking anyone to transform themselves into Mar Martin Luther King or Gandhi or Mother Teresa, right, or um, any other political figure overnight. What we're asking you to it'd be a model example of how to engage people in civil rights. That's not what we're necessarily asking for, but I do think it's really important to, to not let your fear of changing personally justify the ways in which you engage other people in a way that, that's less than productive. Um, when it comes to, like, thinking through constructs, I'm, I'm a really big fan of thinking about you know, can we base our, our advocacy on a campus or our advocacy in a workplace in like literature and fact? And very similar to bias being based in maybe like myth or stereotype, sometimes we approach constructs not fully aware of what the constructs look like, how they operate, or the most effective way to kind of dismantle them. Um, so again, my advice would be to a college student on a campus thinking about how do I dismantle, you know, injustices in, in any way is to take your due diligence to learn about the issue don't, you know, don't, you don't need to spend too much time trying to develop a mastery or understanding, but rather make sure you have a concrete understanding before you approach an administrator or before you seek to have some kind of consistent change in the space, just to make sure you're aligning in a way that can have, can have a more purposeful impact or change. Yeah, jumping on Brandon's comments, um, when it comes to the individual, 
it's okay to be vulnerable. Because looking into oneself is very vulnerable. And because sometimes we, we tend to try to cover up some of the gaps that we may feel because we feel that if exposed, you know, it may be something um, that's lacking. But I think when it comes to, to vulnerability, I think it's okay. It's okay to have that self-assessment. It's okay to have those, those questions and, and taking a look at different perspectives that you may not have received because it wasn't something that was discussed in your community or even in your, in your family either. And so I think this is, gives you an opportunity to really look into oneself and be okay that it's vulnerable. Sometimes, you know, sometimes the culture itself doesn't allow us to be vulnerable because it shows that we're weak. But that's, that is the farthest truth. In fact, vulnerability is actually strength because you're willing to look inside yourself to see, all right, what are the gaps that I'm seeing and how I'm treating, you know, other groups of people? How am I treating, you know, my classmate or, or my dorm, my, uh, my dorm partner or, or, you know, my, even my professors, you know, and how, how, what, what do I need to look at? And then I think it's that, that education where you're able just to look at different perspectives that you may have not had, had before and being that it's okay. Being that's okay to look at different perspectives and developing your own, um, and developing yourself to recognize those biases, to then be able to look at, you know, what are those social, those systematic constructs that has allowed that to happen? Maybe it's something that's similar, a similar construct that was in your high school or, or elsewhere before you came into, into the college campus. And then be able to see, okay, this is what it's looking like. This is what it's looked. And then from then on, of course, just educating yourself more in that. And so I think those are just the um, first few steps in regards to uh, challenging those uh, systematic constructs. We're going to take another quick break, and we'll be back with Brandon Bell and Manny Cadillo. You are experiencing Listen Up ODK Leaders, presented by Omicron Delta Kappa, the National Leadership Honor Society. ODK recognizes and encourages superior leadership and exemplary character. The ODK ideals are scholarship service, integrity, character, and fellowship. To learn more about our mission and our organization, go to www.odk.org. A tribute video is a perfect way to celebrate and recognize milestones, birthdays, graduations, and membership in ODK. Tribute makes it easy to create a personalized video message. Simply invite your friends, collect their videos, and build your tribute. Learn more at studenttribute.com forward slash ODK. We're back talking with Brandon and Manny. Both of your comments have really made me think about something I was reviewing this morning about um, making and finding clarity um, for self in the environment in which you're in. And so uh, I definitely feel as though both of you have resonated with that com- that thought of for self to make and find that clarity so that you can begin to um, challenge who you are and challenge how you think and how you can begin to turn that thought process into actionable methods. Um, One of the things that I think many times about is how the power of voice and the use of a voice can be impactful, can help change um, and mold in an environment. How do you think students can work to collectively use their voice to create change? I'm happy to take that one to kick off. Um, I think students are are and have always been incredibly influential in, in campus climate. 
and and kind of shaping the ethos as to what like what the campus feel what can actually be. So to answer that question on the superficial level, um, I can't imagine any instance where if students were to organize collectively gain understanding around an issue and present it consistently to administrative spaces where that wouldn't begin to have some sort of ripple of ripple effect of change, right? Um, I like to I like to think about student activism as really being the core of what higher education is seeking to do. Like you come to college to be transformed to not only just get a great job, but to be transformed to really like impact your communities and to Mandy's point, maybe go back to your communities and think about the ways in which you can Im improve or share your knowledge um, to broaden experiences for folks in the communities that you navigate. Um, so again, I think voices are incredibly useful in the college space and and they have even more of a reverb or echo effect when they're when they're spoken in tandem with others who are aligned to similar causes. I think the the voice of college students is powerful. Yeah, I think it's powerful because it's your college. You you I mean I'm gonna I'm gonna go step back a little bit and and and, and go a little bit on the ten thousand foot level here. You know, college college you pay for college whether you know you get whether you, you pay it on your own or, or most likely you, you have federal assistance or, or state assistance or scholarships to cover college. You're a customer of, of the college, you know? And, and so if you want the college to, to, to serve you as the customer saying, Hey, you know, I deserve to have the best service because I am, you know, I'm a stakeholder in this. I'm a customer to pay for the services you want to go. You want it to be the top notch, you know, just as, you know, if you were to buy, uh, for instance, a, um, for instance, uh, you know, there's something electronic or even as big as a car or a boat, you know, you want to make sure that, that it's, it fits to your needs. If not, you know, you're just, you know, it's a waste of, it's a waste of your dollars. So the same thing goes with college as well. And so when it comes to the student voice, I think sometimes we feel afraid because it's like, oh, you got these big imposing administrators or these big imposing traditions that the colleges have that how can I make a difference? But as long as you're a student in that college, you have a powerful voice. And it's amazing. And then when you start working with others, when you start working with others, with other uh, you know, friends or, or other groups of people or student organizations or alliances that you create, your voice becomes really loud. And it's something that, that the colleges, I believe, will have to take note on that. Because don't forget, colleges also want to bring in more students the next year and the year. And they find out that, well, this college isn't serving my needs because they are having these systemic uh, constructs that, you know, go against me, that, that harm me or harm, you know, my community. And so this is a way where, where, where that voice comes in and every student's voice is powerful because your own experience is something that can't be challenged. You know, if you've been a victim of bias, if you've been a victim of discrimination, I mean, who's going to argue against that? Who's going to tell you like, no, no, your, your, your testimony is nothing. No, no, no. Your, your testimony is strong. And so each college student has that power to share, to be a part of, of, of this, to make those, make those changes in their college campuses. And so I truly believe in that, um, of, of the power of each individual voice. And especially when it comes together with others, it magnifies it even more. So to continue on in that conversation, thinking about examining traditions that may be inherently biased. Um, how, do you, how does a student organization uh, navigate that? And how can our circles even begin to navigate that if they feel as though maybe some of their own traditions have um, 
maybe created some bias that they've never thought about before? I mean, that's a good question. I think if we're talking about circles, um, I think a lot of times we can just think about like how our, how, what the foundations of our circles, right? So we can think about maybe the language that a ritual might've used back in 1914. Um, we can think about if our circles were always open to women, right? Um, we can recognize that a lot of our circles were started before people of color and women were allowed to go to college, right? So there could be lots of things about our membership process and how we even think about leadership that would not necessarily be the most inclusive on a 21st century campus, right? Um, so we can just locate ourselves in history and then just watch like the evolution of colleges over time and see if, if our circles kept up with that evolution. Are, are our circles kind of stuck in a, maybe a certain part of time um, that would, again, wouldn't mirror the, the myriad of diversity that we now have on college campuses and that many college campuses would say that they support and endorse, right? Um, so I think that to start with our circles, I think that those are some clear steps there. When it comes to college traditions, very similarly, like are we thinking about events that maybe favor particular religious groups, you know, particularly um, campuses that have big celebrations for Christmas um, might not do the same thing for other religious holidays, you know what I mean? And how might those traditions unintentionally, while it creates a great space for people who identify with that majority group, what does that communicate when we don't offer similar celebrations and similar services for folks of different ethnic and religious groups? Um, so I think for me, it's always about taking an inventory, you know, encur encouraging um, as constructively as possible to encourage your administrators to take inventory. Like, do we have do we have the processes in place to support the students and faculty and staff at the margins, right? And if we have services in place to, and traditions to support them at the margins, then I guarantee that we've created services and processes that will help folks who are already in the center. But it can be so easy to focus on the majority because they're the biggest group that we forget about all of the other folks who very much so want to be a part of the group, but haven't been extended an opportunity or an invitation through our programs and services. Definitely, Brian, definitely. And just adding on, it's looking at your circle, look at your membership. Um, is your membership, you know, looking like your college, uh, college uh, you know, population is, you know, if you're, for instance, in a Hispanic serving institution, which has a large amount of Hispanics, and yet you don't have that many Hispanics in your ODK circle. Are you really um, valuing the, the, the cores of, of what ODK is? Um, look at your advisors. I mean, are you, you know, are you getting a group, group of advisors, uh, minority advisors to be part of, of your circle? Um, look where you're recruiting at, where you're truly recruiting. Is it just at the student government bodies um, or or the same organizations that have been around for a long time? Have you looked at more at, at other ways, at other alternative um, you know, org organizations that maybe you, the circle hasn't recruited in? I think there's, there's ways, I mean, when people, when people think of major change, we don't, we don't want to dissemble your own circle and start from scratch. No, no, it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. Sometimes it's just be looking at where we're recruiting. And that could be as, as simple as question as that to, to look at that. And, and, and then be able to um, take action there. And, 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 that's, and you start seeing a change in your membership because you're bringing in a new diverse voice uh, into your membership. Incredible. I mean, that, that's, that, that's a good small step. And I think in regards to, to college traditions, I mean, we're starting to see that. Um, I think in the, in, in, uh, we're starting to see that, you know, um, where colleges are looking at, at the lyrics of their theme songs um, and seeing like, wait a minute, where did this theme song come from? Uh, what do the lyrics really mean? You know, um, 
you know, you look at, at um, you know, when you go to sports, usually people do uh, uh, use their hands to make uh, motions, you know? Um, you know, how is that, is that uh, creating bias towards another group? You know, when this group sees that, you know, is it offensive to them? And so I think there's, there's ways where, where people can take a look at, at some of these traditions. And, and, and I think um, when, you, when you look at, at, at the traditions, you know, you can always amend traditions. You know, I think there's, you know, people say, well, I don't want to change the, the, the theme song. Well, we don't have to change the, the, the melody of it, but we can change the lyrics of it. I mean, um, you know, if there's, there's, you know, if you want to honor, you know, if you have different statues in your, in your campus as traditions, um, you know, bring up new ones that of, of, of a, more, a more recent outstanding alumni or outstanding folks who, who have helped the university and have shown truly the growth of, of the university, um, you know, campus environment. Um, look at the names of, of, your, um, of your buildings. I mean, some of these buildings have names that have been there for 100, 100 years. Um, and, you, and you look in the past of, of what they have done. It's okay to change the building's name, you know, if it needs to be that to better reflect the current today's um, population. Because at the end of the day, you want to make sure that you have a, a college campus that you feel comfortable in, that you feel that it's not something where, where you see a name and, 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 it, and, it, and it comes back at you and saying, like, you know, you're not wanted or this is what we thought or we used to think about you, you know, and it's like, wait a minute, that doesn't, that doesn't make me feel comfortable um, here. You want something that's more embracing. And, and like I said, you know, things do change, you know, buildings, names change, diff- you know, and so I think that's, I think that's, I think that's, that's the one key thing is where if we look at traditions and look at uh, building names um, or even, even, um, you know, even I mean, let's get dig much even deeper. Um, you know, let's look at direction of, of faculty in regards to, you know, who's hiring, you know, our, our faculty in our college campuses. How's that going? Uh, is it, is it mirroring the, the college campus population? Um, let's go look at, at where the programs that they're aiming the, the, that the college is aiming for, you know, are they, are they having programs aimed at first generation students? Are they aiming at students who are low income to ensure that they feel comfortable being there? So it's not like, it's not, instead of just bringing in students saying, oh, all students are on campus, but you know, what are we doing to the system? You know, I think, I think those are just some of those uh, things that, that could be take a look at. And in regards to traditions, those traditions, traditions used to be new things a hundred years ago it's okay to create new ones in 2020. So one of the things I recognize is that we are definitely delving into things that are beginning to help us start to think differently, be differently, and then communicate differently. So as ODK circles, it's important to recognize that our focus is to bring together students, particularly collegians, and graduate students, while also faculty and staff to come together for the common good of college campus and campus life. So with that being said, uh, I really want to thank Manny and Brandon for part one. Uh, This has been a great conversation, and I look forward to us as we transition into our team as we begin part two, and we invite you to listen in as we continue our journey together in advocating for change. So with that, I will bid you adieu and say, you got to be somebody, you got to go somewhere, you need to wake up and pay attention. So with that, thanks for joining us today. 
College is an experience of milestones and memories which need to be celebrated. Tribute makes it easy to create a personalized video to celebrate your achievement. Simply invite your friends, collect their videos, and build your tribute. Learn more at studenttribute.com forward slash ODK. Listen Up ODK Leaders is a production of Omicron Delta Kappa, the National Leadership Honor Society. Our program was produced by Tim Reed, recorded and edited by Eric Wilkin. Our hosts are Stephen Dominey and Tim Reed. Our production team includes Lottie Page, Danielle Klobe, Elena Stubbs, and Katie Datz. Special thanks to Amy Newman for our logo and to all the staff at the ODK National Headquarters for their amazing support of our members. To learn more about our society, go to www.odk.org. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. ODK members should join us on our LinkedIn groups.